Hey everybody, welcome to my family room. Thanks for inviting me into yours. And we're gonna open up the word together and jump into Matthew chapter six. So if you have a Bible, I brought mine here with me. Uh, you can open up to Matthew chapter six. We're gonna take a look at a passage that's probably very familiar to you. But at the same time, you probably haven't ever thought through it with the context that we're in right now. It's a passage starting in verse 24 where Jesus is talking about the topic of worry. Worry is a word that has probably been bouncing around in your mind a lot this week because it's hard not to worry when the world around you is falling apart. It's hard not to worry when you're watching a virus spread around the world and you're watching these curves of cases getting up faster and faster and faster. Worry begins to well up within us in a way that maybe it hasn't done for you before. It's hard not to worry when you go to the grocery store and there's a line around the corner or there's people who are rushing in and trying to pull groceries off the shelves and replenish their cupboards, scared to hunker down in their houses for this next season. Worry becomes the emotion of the moment. It's hard not to worry when you go into work and you're hearing news like we're going to have to make some tough decisions here or your hours are being cut or your job is being cut from under you and you're going to have to figure out how to survive and pay your bills without your normal income. Worry has a whole different meaning in a season like this. If you want to know what you've been worrying about lately, one way that you can look at that is, is by thinking through what are some of the things that maybe you've been refreshing lately. I don't mean refreshing like finding refreshment. I mean refreshing like on the internet or on your phone. Maybe you've been refreshing your stock market app all week. Every day you're pulling it out over and over. Refresh, refresh, and you're watching your money disappear and come back and disappear and come back. Maybe you're refreshing the app for the Chronicle and you're reading the news or you're refreshing your news source on your browser and you want to see the newest updates because you're worried about something and you want to see what's happening now. Maybe you're refreshing your cupboards with food. Maybe you're refreshing your pantry with toilet paper. Everybody seems to really want toilet paper right now, right? Refreshing, refreshing, trying to stock up because you're worried about your sustenance. Now, maybe your brain is the thing that just keeps refreshing over and over and over and over again as you think about worst case scenarios or you think about planning or you think about where your money's going to flow if it stops coming in or you have to pay this bill or if you got to pay your rent and how to move dates and you're just thinking and spinning and refreshing in your mind as you're worried about all that's going on. Now, the problem we face in a season like this is that everything that's happening out there in the world is affecting us in here, in our homes, in here, in our heads, in here, in our hearts. And so as we look at a passage this morning that starts with something really familiar where Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. If you're like me, most often you've kind of glazed over this because you've never worried about where your next meal is gonna come from. You've never worried about whether you'll have money to buy clothes for your kids, but now we're in a season where the passage might mean something different because worry becomes the emotion of the moment and it's the place where we live. No matter how mindful we try to be, diligent we try to be, level-headed we try to be, how much we try to trust God, we're just in a season in our world where the things we're worrying about aren't things that might happen, but the inevitability of, of what is happening and how that might affect us in the future. And these are things that relate to our very human existence. So the question that I want to ask as we look at this text in Matthew chapter 6 this morning is, how do we become fearless people in a time where worry is the natural response to the condition of the world? 
And so to do that, I want to look at Matthew chapter 6. Hopefully you've got it now. This is verse 25. We'll put it on the screen uh, if you don't have it. But these are Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more important than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I want to open our time in prayer this morning. If you've got a specific request, you are welcome to hit the live prayer button if you're on church online and we'd love to pray with you individually. Or maybe there's something you're worrying about. Just type that in the chat box right now and the community will pray for you as I pray. Or you're welcome to just close your eyes and pray with me as we dive in. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are stable and faithful and good in a season when the world feels like it's falling apart around us. We admit that so often we do worry about so many things, and we pray that you would help equip us to be people who, who can calm our nerves and trust in you in seasons like this in the world. We pray that you'd meet with us today as we gather online and in our homes and with our families, wherever we are. We pray that you would speak to us as individuals and even as, a, as an extended digital community as we connect around your word this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we look at Matthew chapter 6, I want to give you a definition of worry. If you like to write things down, this is one of the things that you could write down this morning. Worry, as, as I'm defining it today, is when your vision of the future negatively affects your present state. When your vision of the future negatively affects your present state. And so I've been stuck in my house all week, and so I've been trying to, uh, I've been drawing a lot of things, and so I am not an artist, but this morning I'm going to sketch out some things for you. This is the image that I had in my mind as I was thinking about what this worry thing looks like this morning. This is you, right? You are this stick figure here at the bottom of my image, and this is the future that's out in advance that you have not yet experienced yet. And worry for me is kind of the cloud that's stuck in the middle between your present and your future. And Everything that you see kind of goes through this cloud of worry and comes back through this cloud of worry. Worry becomes this lens through which we see the future. You know, I was thinking uh, as I was uh, anticipating this, this this morning as I was working on my sermon that it's kind of like if you were on a ship, like a pirate ship, and you had a, a telescope and you see this island off in the distance and you're looking through this telescope to see the island out there, worry becomes the lens through which you see the future that is imminently approaching. But the problem with worry is that it's a scary lens, it's a broken lens, it's a dark lens, it's a dim lens. And so when you see something on the horizon that filters through the lens of worry, it affects your feelings in the present, affects your 
actions in the present. It affects how you react and it affects your stress level. It affects how you treat the people in your home, especially when you're kind of hunkering down together with your family for day after day after day. Looking at the world, at the future through the lens of worry has a drastic impact on how we experience life in the present. You know, some of you say, well, I'm not a worrier, right? You're, you're a person who, who does not stress out. You don't worry. You're calm. You're cool as a cucumber, right? You're like one of the birds of the air that Jesus talks about in the passage. You just go after stuff. You just make plans. You're just diligent, right? I was thinking about diligence as it relates to this drawing here, right? You kind of surpass this worry cloud and diligence becomes kind of how you see the world. And so you don't need to worry because you've got a plan. You don't need to worry because you're diligent to do all the right things at the right times. You don't need to worry because you know what's going to happen because you're just going to work hard and make it happen. Congratulations. That's great. Diligence is good. But at the same time, you've probably experienced this week that sometimes diligence doesn't work. And when you've got no money coming in, it doesn't matter how well you manage it, you can't pay your bills. Diligence only works when you're trying to avoid worry because life is okay. But in circumstances like this, it doesn't matter how diligent you are. Now, the truth is, in a season like this, diligence becomes worthless when the world falls apart. When everything starts shattering around you, it doesn't matter how organized you are. It doesn't matter how planning-oriented you are. It doesn't matter how good you are at making all the ends meet and making plans for the future. Diligence is worthless in a season like this. Now, I think of people in a time like this who are savers. You know, maybe you've been trying to save up a, a rainy day fund so that if your income slows down, you'll have money. And that's awesome. That's diligence. That's good. But if you've got income that stops coming in for an extended period of time, eventually that dries up and no amount of diligence can, can build it out again. And so it turns into worry. Now, some of you, maybe you're not savers, but maybe you just hustle. You go out there. You make stuff happen. You find work. You find money. You're always able to open a door and bash one in and find ways to get more income in a season like this. But now you're stuck in your house. And you're having a hard time finding a way to get some kind of side job that's going to make the bills get paid. And so your hustling turns into worry because the world is falling apart around you. And so worry, even for people who are diligent in a season like this, it becomes a natural thing. Now, as I look at this passage in Matthew 6, I see that Jesus gives us a third lens, right? We've got the worry lens, the diligence lens, and a third lens through which to see the future, the lens of faith. You know, I, I feel like if we had that drawing with the diligence and the worry, faith is kind of this, this other, more stable way of seeing the future. A clearer lens, according to Jesus, where we trust that the future is in God's hands. We trust that he takes care of us. We trust that he's got it figured out. We trust that he'll get us through this. We look at the future and it's crazy, but we are stable on the inside because we have faith that God will take us through that. that that's the goal, right? The goal is to move away from the worry cloud. The goal is to not have to rely on our own self-diligence. The goal is to get to a place that we do not worry because like the birds of the air, like the lilies of the field, like people of strong faith, we can trust that God has a plan and we can trust that God's in control and we can trust that no matter what happens, he knows where we are and he has our best in mind. If I had to give a definition for this faith lens, I would call faith this, when you have peace in the present because you trust God for the future. And that's a beautiful vision. That's a beautiful goal. It's a beautiful place to get. And it's a beautiful sign of Christian maturity. You know, I, I've never thought that I'm personally the worry person. I've always been the diligence person. 
I've always got a thousand plans in my mind of how we're going to avoid any obstacle that comes our way. And so I've never thought that worry has been a thing that I deal with. But this week, I realized that diligence for me was just kind of how I worry. That when I'm stressed, I think more. When I'm stressed, I try to find more plans to get to the future. I'm using this diligence lens to look at the future. It's just hard to, to know what to do next. You know, I was struck this week. I, I had some time to meet with some, some godly people. I, I talked to Pastor Larry for a little bit. I sat down with our governing elders this week. I, I had a conference call on Zoom this week with a bunch of pastors from around the globe. And one of them was this old, seasoned, wise pastor. And I was struck that as we talked, I talked with each of these three groups of people. They all had the same three-word phrase about the way that we should relate to God in a season like this. They said, all of them said the same phrase. They said, God will provide. And so don't worry about finances. God will provide. Don't worry about vision right now. God will provide. Don't worry about if the church will hold together. God will provide. And I realized that a mark of someone who has a strong faith is someone who can see through that lens and realize that God's provision on the other side of this present time is always there for us and we can trust and rest in that. You know, I, I know most of us, if we're struggling like worry, like I do, and like you probably do, we're not completely living in that faith lens. We're living in that worry lens, that diligent lens, and we're trying to move forward. And so as we look at this text this morning, I want to show you a few things that Jesus draws out about what the person of faith believes. All right, this is more that you could write down or we'll paste it in the chat room and you can copy it onto some document later. But Jesus says in these verses that the person of faith believes several things. Number one, the person of faith believes that there is more to life than merely surviving. Now, I love that in verse 25 when, when Jesus says this. He says, don't be anxious about what you will eat or drink nor about your body. And then he says this, is, life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now Jesus is talking about some of these basic human needs. Like we need food or we'll die. We need clothes or we're going to be exposed to the elements and ashamed, right? We need these things. And yet Jesus' question is, isn't there more to life than merely surviving in this world? And the person of faith believes that life is, is more than merely surviving until we die. But there is a greater purpose. There's a greater vision. There's a, a greater reason for human existence. And so part of what we can learn as we kind of step into the lens of faith is how to be people who believe that this world is about more than merely getting our needs met and getting what we want and kind of surviving day by day. That's what the person of faith believes. And the second thing that we see in this text is that the person of faith believes that God will take care of your daily needs. He says in verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He draws up this example of birds who, if you're sitting in your house all day, take some time in the quiet and listen to the birds outside who don't seem stressed out at all about this pandemic that's hit the earth. The birds are just bouncing around. They're looking for food. They're doing the things that birds do. And, and Jesus is drawing out the fact that the reason that these birds are alive is because our God, who keeps us alive, is keeping them alive. And, and he says, you know what? God loves you way more than he loves birds. And, and yet his provision is able to sustain the life of these animals, billions and trillions of animals and insects and organisms all around the globe. And so at the same time, if God loves you more than them, he can surely take care of you. And the person of faith believes that God can provide for us and take care for us be, because he loves us. He loves us more than, more than anything. Now, this is kind of where it gets tough because when we, some of you are looking out the window and you're thinking, 
Well, you know, birds die sometimes, right? You know, there are seasons where there's famine. There are seasons where there's drought. There are seasons where animals are dying of starvation. And God knows that these animals are dying. And so we think, okay, this is not a promise that God's going to keep me alive. What if God doesn't keep me alive? You know, the hard truth is that sometimes people who, who God loves and people who love God go into seasons of life where they are in desperate circumstances when it comes to the basic provisions that human need. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to have a hard time finding your next meal. There are Christians all over the world who are starving and hungry and dying of, of different diseases and of starvation and all of these different things that are so terrible. And so we know as we read a passage like this that it's not always true that just because you love Jesus that you'll never have any problems. That just because you love Jesus, that some of your even basic human provisions will not be provided for sometimes. And we have to wrestle with that at a different level, that God loves us, and yet sometimes we live in this evil world where things just don't come together. And so, yes, Christians trust that God will meet our needs. But at the same time, there's something about faith that allows us to keep moving forward, even in a world where we don't know where our next meal is going to come from. And I think that's the reason that the next thing that Jesus draws out in this passage in, in verse 27 is that the third thing that the person of faith believes at the end of the day is that worrying is worthless. It's worthless. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't help. Right? In verse 27, Jesus says this, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And the truth is, if there's a bird out there who can't find his next worm and he's going to die, if he worried 10 times more, it's not going to help, right? Jesus is saying, listen, th there is more important stuff than surviving. Yes, God can take care of you and he will take care of you. Sometimes people do experience hardship. But at the same time, no amount of worry at the end of the day can accomplish anything. It doesn't matter how worried you are about your stock market your kind of portfolio right now the worry is not going to do anything, right? In a season like this, even the diligence worrying isn't doing anything. There's doesn't matter how much you're worried about your kids. You can't change things through your worry. It doesn't matter how much you're worried about where your next meal is going to come from. That doesn't help your next meal come faster. It doesn't matter how much you worry. Jesus says, at the end of the day, the biggest reason to look at the world through the faith lens is because the worry lens is absolutely worthless. It just stresses us out. It just makes us sick. It just gives us anxiety. The faith lens is a more freeing lens through which we can see the world. You know, one thing that I'd love to challenge us all this week is to start replacing our worry lens with that faith lens. You know, there are going to be times this week that you're going to notice that anxiety starts to rise. As you're worried about your portfolio, maybe in the stock market, you're thinking about your retirement date and, and how it's pushing out and, and you're going to start stressing about it. I want you to remember this passage that Jesus says, listen, that worrying you're doing, it doesn't, it doesn't accomplish anything good for you. And God cares about you. God loves you. He knows what you need. Life's more important than just retiring, right? You just got to relax and realize that God is in control ultimately and work in that moment to ask God, please just let me put my life back in your hands again. As you look at the future and you start getting stressed because you see what you think might be happening and worry starts to rise, just take a deep breath 
and pray and say, God, please help me to escape from this worry. I know it doesn't accomplish anything. I know that you're taking care of me. I know that you love me more than anything else in this world. I know that life is about more than whatever I'm worrying about. But God, I admit I'm worried. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. Those moments where you feel kind of the stress rising, you start going, 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 trying to be diligent to solve all your problems in an unhealthy way. Slow down, ratchet it back and say, God, please just allow me to trust you with this. I'm so consumed with solving this problem that I know that I can't solve, that I'm not spending any time with my family that I'm stuck in my house with for this season. God, help me to not worry and look at this scenario through the lens of faith. Not because looking through the lens of faith will change your circumstances, but because looking through the lens of faith will alleviate your worry, it'll stop your need to be self-sufficient and allow you to place your life into the hands of the only one who actually can do anything. And you'll find safety and rest in his hands. I love where Jesus goes in, in verse 28 in this because he starts talking about how lavishly God cares for us. When he says, why are you anxious about clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And Jesus kind of ends this idea of, of what it means to be a person who looks through the lens of faith. And he says, you know, you need to realize that God loves you so much that he almost always is providing way much more than we even need, right? If you're sitting in your comfortable house, watching church with your friends online on a nice tablet or device or TV, and you're eating breakfast, you are being provided for by God in a lavish, beautiful way. That's one of the things that we exist here in the States. We've got so much provision. We've got grocery stores that just keep restocking whenever we sweep them out, right? All the toilet paper disappears. They just put it right back, right? We live in this place where most of us are in a time that we're not worrying about our next meal. We might be worried about our next paycheck, but we are still living with our family in this place. We don't have war. We don't have people dying all around us. We're doing our best to slow down the curve of this pandemic. But at the same time, God has been providing for us and probably providing for you in an unbelievable way. Now, sometimes when we start worrying about a lot of things, we, we don't realize just how much God has been caring for us and how much he does provide for us because the thing that we're scared is going to leave is something that takes our whole sights because the worry lens kind of becomes all-encompassing to us. You would expect that as Jesus finishes this passage, he'd end it with a moral of the story like, hey, therefore, do not worry. God's in control. Give your faith to him and pursue the future with diligence like a bird, right? But, but that's not what he says. There's actually a twist in the end of this passage that I want to show you in verse, in verse 31 here. He starts by saying something similar. He says, where's verse 31? He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But then he turns and he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, I was thinking as I read the end of this passage that there's something missing from our drawing uh, of, of the worry lens and the diligence lens and the faith 
lens. We're all kind of looking through this telescope through three different lenses at the same future, but the way that Jesus ends is he almost kind of gives us an alternate picture of the future over here that he calls the kingdom of God. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, one of the things that's wrong is not that you're just looking through the wrong lens, but your telescope is facing the wrong direction. And so he doesn't merely say in this passage, look through this faith lens instead of the worry lens. He says, yes, look through the faith lens, but turn your telescope away from the future in this world and turn your telescope towards the kingdom of God. It's beautiful what Jesus is saying is just, as, as we change the way the telescope is pointing, that we could start to understand a new reality as believers. And, and so the moral that I think that Jesus gives to us, kind of the big takeaway, if you want to like memorize a statement this week, memorize this one, is that if you want to live a fearless life, set your vision on the kingdom of God and take it one day at a time. He says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble, right? Tomorrow will worry about itself. Take it a day at a time. Take your eyes as much as possible off of what you see the impending scary future is. Don't merely think about your retirement through the lens of faith. Shift your view and start looking at the kingdom of God instead. Right? As you experience this time of sheltering in place, don't merely refresh the stock market. Don't merely think about your bills. Don't merely think about survival. Think about the kingdom of God. What are some ways that you can grow in your relationship with God in this season? You'll see worry start to fade away as you stop thinking about your money and you start thinking about your faith. Or think about ways that you can love others during this time. Now, so many of us are with our families for more amount of time than we ever are. And we always, when we're working, 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 we're talking about how to spend more time with our families. Here we are. How can you love the people in your household in, in a way that brings them closer to the Lord this week? And as you seek your eyes on the kingdom of God through the lens of faith, worry will start to dissipate. And we hear all these amazing stories of people meeting needs in the community. One thing that you could do this week is say, God, why do you have me here? What's something that I can do to help someone out this week? Do I need to deliver the groceries or bring the meals to somebody? You know, maybe you are in a place where your finances are not negatively affected. Maybe this is a season that you can send some cash to somebody who desperately needs it and you can use this time to not worry about your own future, but bring the kingdom into somebody else's life. And as we start looking through the lens of faith at the kingdom of God and the righteousness that God has for us, this can become a beautiful time for us to grow with God, to grow with others, to live on mission. And you will find that as you devote yourself to the kingdom, Worry just disappears because you're not worried about the kingdom. It's coming because you're partnering with the Spirit in bringing it here. And one of the things that's been really fun this week is jumping online every morning. We'd love to welcome you 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. We're, we're doing some devotions, opening the word together. And this week we're going to talk about ways that we can be people who bring the kingdom into our world through a season like this. So you could jump here online live and Connect with us on that. We would love to do that with you. Uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, and all those videos will come out if you're not if you're busy at nine or whatever. But we would love to devote some time this week with you on how you can spend this time moving away from worry and towards faith in the kingdom and growing and cultivating your relationship with God. Now, I, I pray, and I want to pray as we close this, that this would be a week, that this would be a season where we can walk with the Spirit on the mission God has for us. And not like Jesus says the pagans do, the Gentiles do, who are all running into Safeway trying to stock up on toilet paper, right? Let's be the other kind of people who realize that God's in control, who realize there's a kingdom that's beautifully growing amidst even this global viral outbreak. And let's walk with his spirit and see what he does as we connect with him and his people during this time.